Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. So today we're chatting with Jillian, and she is going to share her birth stories with us. So Jillian, if you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm Jillian. I live in Baltimore, Maryland um, with my husband and our two kids. Um, I'm originally from Florida. We've lived in Baltimore for about five years, and I work as a pediatric behavioral psychologist here. Um, and I had a home birth after cesarean in August of 2020. Do you want to start us out with the pregnancy with your first kiddo? Sure. My son's three and a half. Um, so we had moved to Baltimore, I guess like a couple years before I got pregnant. It was, um, I was finishing up my, or kind of halfway through my postdoc at that point. And, um, we actually got pregnant a little bit before we had kind of planned to, like, we were kind of not like right around a year kind of ahead of schedule on that. Um, so it was a little bit surprising, but very exciting. Um, so we actually found out we were pregnant, um, the night it was, it was election day, like, um, the night we were going to vote. Um, and so I picked up a pregnancy test on the way home when we were like going to go vote. Um, and I was like, all right, I got a couple predictions for, for this evening. So prediction on pregnancy is no. And, uh, prediction on Hillary is yes. <laughs> Dead wrong on both of those. <laughs> um, so it was just like so much emotion, like really excited and everything, but, um, just also like, oh my gosh, this is just kind of surprising. Is everything going to be okay? And it, it was like, it was fine. We were in a, a good it was, it was as good a time as any, you know, we, I was going to be kind of almost finished with postdoc by the time the baby was born. And, um, we were living in an apartment and I was a little bit like nervous about that. Like we don't have a home yet. We haven't bought a home. Like we're not stable yet, but, um, everything was great. Pregnancy was super healthy. You know, I had like a little bit of nausea at the beginning of it, but like everything was good for my, uh, gynecology visits, I was going to like an outpatient clinic of, um, the, one of the big academic medical centers here in Baltimore. Um, and I had a midwife there that I had been seeing since we moved there that I just absolutely loved. Like she was just the best, like really, really knowledgeable, but like so warm and felt great about her. But then I also knew, I think, I don't know, like maybe I hadn't thought about it too much before being pregnant, but once being pregnant, I was like pretty certain that I wanted natural birth. Um, I wasn't sure about like hospital versus out of hospital. My older sister has had at this point seven home births or maybe one of them, maybe the first one was a birth center, but like a lot of home births that have gone really, really well. And she's like a huge proponent of it. So like I knew home birth was a thing and, um, and that it was something that was safe and could be an option. Um, but it wasn't necessarily the option for us at that point. So I started just talking to my midwife about kind of other options and like birth center as an option. 
um, because we were also like living in an apartment in the city and like, it, it just didn't feel like home birth was going to be a good option there. So um, she was like, oh, out of hospital. Yeah. So she delivered at, at the hospital, but she referred me to um, a birth center that was about an hour away um, that was taking new patients. Um, so we drove, we transferred care. It was at like 20 weeks. I think we waited till the anatomy scan. And once everything looked good there, um, and it was looking like everything was on course for this natural vaginal delivery and everything and low risk, then we transferred to the birth center and we um, continued driving to those appointments. Um, everything was like super healthy. I felt really good all along until like 35 weeks or so. And I had to take my licensure exam. So I remember this like really clearly that I was so physically uncomfortable in a seated position, like so bad. <laughs> like I could not sit, like I had to take, and, and I don't take medication for anything. And I like took Tylenol or whatever it was that was like, okay to take just so I could like sit because I was like, I don't think they're going to let me like stand and like hover over this thing where I have to take this like three hour exam or whatever. And I had like rice, like socks that they like, you're going in for like this, <laughs> this exam that's, you know, it's a really big deal. So you have to go to a testing center and they like check your jacket and they check all your stuff. And I'm like, can you just, can I bring the sock in? <laughs> like this is like warm rice in it or whatever. Yeah. So I was super uncomfortable. And when we go to these appointments, I had to be like fully reclined in the passenger seat, had, like I was sleeping or something. I was like, I don't know, like, is this normal? Like, why is there not enough room like in my torso for this baby at 35 weeks? But was assured that like everything was super normal. Baby's head down. Everything looks really good. Positioning is actually like optimal. Um, and then it was like a few weeks after that, I started getting this like weird kind of stretching feeling and like the skin at like the like top of my ribs on one side and I was like what is that is it something like with my liver or something but it actually felt like the skin like it didn't feel like there was something like an organ pain or anything it was like I don't know like tender kind of raw skin or something like it had been like irritated or something so I really don't know what that was about either um so it didn't everything like kind of seemed okay but there was like a little things I was like what is that and I would always like push down um like on that spot because his uh butt would always be like pushing up really really high up on my ribs um and I was like this baby's just the position just didn't feel like quite right but they kept telling me the position was great so went with that and then finally 40 weeks rolls around take the hour drive there I guess it was two days prior to my due date um, and I go in, it was the first time that I like actually saw the really like older midwife. She's like an, I don't want to say she was like super old. <laughs> she was like in her seventies or something like she'd, she'd been a midwife for a long time. She had a lot of experience. And like, first thing when she like put her hand on my belly, she was like, that's the baby's head up there. Right. And I was like, no, that's no, that's not, that's his butt. That's what everybody says. Like, that's, you know, that's not his head. And she was like, then why is it so round? Why does it feel like a head? And I was like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> like, um, she's like, yeah, I think that he might be breached. Like, I think that's his head. Um, and I was just like, no, you're wrong. Like, I know what's going on. They've like told me, I always feel the hiccups. The hiccups are like way down low. Like, and um, so she's like trying to, she was like, well, I can try to feel today. I can like check you and like try to see if I can feel whether it's his butt or his head, but I wouldn't know for sure anyways. And I'd probably have to send you for ultrasound anyway. So let's just get an ultrasound done. So we like drove back from that appointment and I spent like the whole time, like reasoning with my husband and just being like all the reasons why I was sure he's not breached. And then of course he was breached. <laughs> 
Um, so we made, she advised like getting the ultrasound as soon as possible. Cause I'm like, you know, do any moment basically, but it had no signs of labor. So I didn't, I didn't feel like, um, I was having like any like small contractions or anything like that. They did some monitoring that day in the office and they said, Oh yeah, you're, you're having some contractions. Like, don't you feel that? And no, I didn't feel anything. Definitely didn't feel like I was anywhere close to being in labor. So yeah, so then because we were an hour away, we went to the hospital to have the ultrasound in the morning, had like a big breakfast. And then uh, I was planning on going into work just like a few hours later or whatever. And um, yeah, so they check it out and she's like, yeah, he's definitely breech and he's really fluffy. I was like, what do you mean really fluffy? She's like, he's like a huge baby. Yeah. So then they're they like, what, what type of breach he was? They, they didn't, but like thinking back and I don't have like the exact records from that, but it, I think he was Frank breach from like what I could see on the screen and everything. Yeah. So he was like, you know, if your baby's going to be breech, like, and you wanted vaginal delivery, but there was like, that was not on the table. Um, so they're also like taking the measurements. Fluid was a little bit low. His head circumference was really large. And I think that had to do with like the space in my like torso was just like his, he, when he came out, his head was completely like flat on top. Cause it just like, wasn't anywhere for him to go. So his head was measuring at like 43 weeks or something. Um, so I think that that actually threw off all the measurements too. Cause they estimated him to be nine pounds, 11 ounces or something. And he was not that big when he was born. I think it just because his head was measuring so big and then the low fluid thing, like who knows, you know, how critical that actually was, but they were like, Oh yeah, like fluid slow. Um, so um, the doctor came in after the tech had been in and he's like, yeah, so, it, you know, this is what's going on. Like, y- you're probably going to need to deliver by C-section, like probably pretty soon, but like, let's just send you up to the labor and delivery floor and you'll just meet with another doctor up there. And they're going to tell you like more about kind of what's going on and what the plan can be going forward. Um, so in between those two things, like between the two floors, I'm like calling the midwives and I'm like, what's going on? Like, do I have any other options? Like, do I need to have a C-section? And the midwife was basically like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like there's, there's nobody who's going to like, especially at this point, this far along. And you said he's measuring big and the low fluid thing. And like, it's just going to be a C-section. So just kind of go with it and like, you know, ask a lot of questions and like do things on your terms, but like, we don't have anything more for you. Um, so it was just, it was really disappointing, but yeah, so we went up there and I just want to like meet with this guy and see what he's got to say and everything. But of course, like into a gown right away, like laying on a bed, we're going to hook you up to monitoring. Um, and I'd gone in with like, you know, street clothes on, like planning to go to work like a little while later. Um, so it's just like a weird kind of vulnerability position too. Cause I'm like trying to have basically this consultation with someone I'm not in labor at all. Um, And instead of being able to like walk in and like sit in a regular chair in my clothes and I'm like in this gown, like naked, like (laughs) laying down and he's like telling me what's going to happen. So he was basically like, yeah, I think we should go ahead and do the C-section now. And I was like, now, why? Like baby's not ready to be born yet. Like this is not, we don't need to do this right now. We don't need to do this today. Like what if he turns? Like what about, you know, like I need to wrap my head around this. And so then there's like all the things that can go wrong if you don't get it right now. So if you go home and then you have precipitous labor and then um, baby's head gets stuck and yeah. Yeah. Just like scaring you all the horrible, bad things that could possibly happen. 
that's and you're right when you're in you're put into that state of vulnerability where you're not able to just walk in and have a conversation with somebody and then someone's standing over you telling you all these things and treating you like something is wrong it's it's hard to especially when it's sprung on you like that too i mean that's obviously the complete opposite of what you were expecting going into that appointment so that's that's a very hard thing to wrap your head around yeah it was just like a lot of shock all at once so then I actually talked with the resident a little bit longer and I was like, do you think like are things you're saying that I'm getting two different messages because I'm hearing like things are actually fine. Like you're so lucky that you've got this like beautiful, healthy, full-term baby and everything. And like your C-section is going to go just fine. And like, you have nothing to worry about, but I'm also hearing like, we need to do something about this right away. Like this is, you know, dangerous or something. So I basically, with all the information, I kind of put things on hold and um, I said like, you know, from what you've said, I'm close enough to the hospital. If some, you know, if I go into labor, I will come right back. But otherwise, like I need to take some time. I could go home overnight. And then basically like talking with people at the hospital, it sounded like the team that I was working with at that time was actually like the most kind of um, liberal as far as like letting you kind of um, choose some things that you wanted for the C-section and like doing a more kind of gentle approach and um, that they wanted to like work with moms who, you know, were having a hospital birth who may not have planned like a C-section, that kind of thing. Um, they were like, so that's the biggest risk for you right now is yes, of course you can come back over the weekend or you can come back Monday, but you might miss out on having these providers who are more willing to work with you and like honor your wishes for this. Um, and I did like the team that I talked to. Um, so I was like, okay, we'll just go back for a few hours and we'll come back later. Um, so that was what we did. So I went home from the hospital and called the doula, asked her if there was like anything she could do or wanted to do. And she was like, well, like I, I can come up there and like be there for the C-section, but I can't come in the room. So I could come visit you in post-op and um, like help with, you know, breastfeeding or just like, you know, whatever's going on at that point. I was like, yeah, that would be great. Just come for post-op. And um, I talked to my sister who'd had all the home births and I was like, <laughs> she was like, just tell them not to do it. Like, like, just put it on stuff. Like, what about some inversions and stuff? And like spinning, spinning babies is a thing, like look that up. And, you know, here I, I was like 40 weeks and he's, <laughs> he had been stuck that way since 20 weeks. And I, I know he was, cause I could like always feel that there, but I did, I did some inversions. <laughs> Um, just to check it out. And um, I had them when I did, I took a shower, I packed a bag because that was all like stuff that I wouldn't have had. And for me, like, that was really important. So we'd also I missed this part, but we had taken like a 10 week childbirth education class um, and like natural birth. And I had like listened to some birth stories and like heard about other people's like birth trauma and different things. And I knew that like a big part of it for me with having a C-section would be like kind of being able to do some things on my own terms and like feeling more like it was in some way, like something I was agreeing to and something that like I was actively participating in rather than like something that was happening to me. Like it wasn't going to go well if I, and, and I mean, I definitely felt like that was how the first time I walked in there, what was, I was like, oh, this is happening to me. Like people are doing things. And I was like, this is going to be more like me making the decision to walk through the door for this operation. So it was fine. I was like a little bit tearful and, but I was okay. I like, I knew what it, you know, what kind of what to expect generally for the C-section. They agreed to like, 
let us have on like whatever kind of music we wanted. So we like played um, like Hawaiian music on like Pandora or whatever. Um, he turned down like some of the lights. Some of the things I didn't expect with having a C-section, um, I think it partly had to do with like the teaching hospital setting, but there were a lot of people in the room. So I went in, my husband was able to join me, but you have to go in by yourself at the beginning. And I asked if I could walk in because I didn't want to be wheeled in like on the thing. And they were like, that's a weird request, but like, fine, you can walk in. Um, and I'm wearing a gown. And then um, there's like a ton of people. It's this huge room and it's like super bright lights. Everybody's a stranger to me. And they're like, okay, like now just take off your gown. That's weird. Like that's not a normal situation. <laughs> right. You wouldn't walk into any other room and just take off your gown in front of in a room, a room full of strangers, like a big well-lit room. It was really awkward. Um, so I'm like, Oh, hi, like I'm Jillian. Nice to meet you. Like, who are you? Like, okay, here I'm naked. Um, and then the strapping down the arms thing. So I was like, I was a horrible patient. I like fought them on everything. <laughs> That's not horrible. You, you wanted what you wanted. You advocated yeah. for yourself. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty, um, I don't know resistant to a few of the things that they wanted to do but yeah so they were like no this is not optional and then they went and talked to my doctor and, and said that that was okay um so I didn't have to have my arm strapped down and um my husband came in the operation was like pretty short and it didn't hurt or anything like I wasn't super uncomfortable I wasn't I was a little bit nauseous and so they gave me like something for that during the procedure um I had like the nicest um anesthesiology resident it was like she was like my eyes like on top of the curtain she would like pop up from like on side of me to be like oh it like it looks like he's getting out his foot like I think I see your baby's foot and um and then my husband saw him when they were like pulling him out but he was like really jammed in there so the doctor is like this big like guy with like lots of muscles and he was like really working hard like I could kind of feel him like hear him like like breathing heavy as he's like trying to get him out yeah so they took him out and he, my husband was like, he's really big. He like peed all over the nurses, like right away. Um, I had asked that the, so the NICU team like had to be present just to like evaluate him. But I'd asked like, you know, um, don't do like any suctioning or like any like rubbing. Like, I don't want him like wrapped in any clothes or anything. Like just give him to me as soon as it's like minimally like safe to do, like, just give him to me as soon as possible. So, you know, they, just basically like checked him out really quickly and then put him on my chest. And, um, he cried for sure. Like pretty quickly after he came back, which made me feel really good. And I started crying cause there was just like all this relief and everything. Um, and he was fine. He was like a little bit, I don't know. People say like C-section babies don't have that like time to get, um, like that stimulation of going through the birth canal where they're like kind of waking up and their adrenaline gets going and everything. So he's like a little bit like of a sleepy little guy but he was fine. He was like beautiful and adorable and he was eight pounds, 12 ounces. So he was pretty good size and no problems with like latching. And we were just really happy. I didn't have like any post-op issues. Um, we pretty quickly were able to leave post-op. The doula did come visit me. Um, and we had a very short hospital stay. I felt better pretty quickly. Um, I did have like, I kind of lost a decent amount of blood and like had like a low blood pressure kind of moment where I passed out. Like I think the morning after this, um, the birth, but everything like was good after that. And we went home like, it's like less than two days. 
stay. I think we stayed two, we stayed two nights, but not three nights. They wanted us to stay three and we were like, we have to go home. Goodbye. How, how was that transition home? And then just the transition to having a newborn? Oh man, it's been a while since I thought about that of like what it was like with just having the one. We were really happy to be home and you don't really know until you're a parent, like how that's going to be as far as who you want there and what's going to be helpful for you when you are in that like postpartum period. And I'd heard from a lot of friends and family that you really want help in that time. And you're going to want like relatives to be there to kind of like help out with things. Um, And then I was surprised um, that for myself, that wasn't the case. Like I kind of wanted us to just be alone as a family of three. And both also, are valid. That's totally yeah. fine to want to soak up that time with your newborn, just you and your husband. Yeah. So it was like nice when everybody got to meet him and like I wanted to show him off. He was like so cute. And it was like nice to see everybody and for everybody to like congratulate us. But then there was like also I just wanted to like lay in bed and cuddle him. And um, there wasn't that much that anybody else could do. And I think part of that, like my husband is so capable and so helpful. And he like, you know, he took care of us. Like we didn't really need a whole lot more. So there was like a point when we were kind of like, I was, I was ready for us to have like our space to ourselves and everything, but it was good. It was like, it was easier than, and I hate to say this because I know it's like, we were so lucky. He was so healthy and like decently easy as a newborn. And like, I felt really good. I didn't have like postpartum depression or anxiety. And um, so it was just, it was easier having a newborn than what I had heard or what I thought, which was really like, cause we had prepared for it to be horrible and it to be the worst thing and to not get any sleep. But yeah, I was like the new mom kind of going around being like, I don't know why this is, everybody says it's so hard. I'm getting great sleep. Like this is lovely. It is crazy how, how experiences can differ in that mm-hmm. way too, or vary in that way. So not, yeah, you're right. Just cause you hear, oh, postpartum is horrible. It's, you don't sleep, your baby's crying all the time. You don't ever get to shower or sit down and eat or anything. I mean, it's not always like that. Everyone's yeah. experience is a little bit different. Yeah. And even the C-section recovery, like for me, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't what I wanted. I was pretty disappointed and emotional about having to have a C-section, but when it came down to it, it wasn't that bad. Like you know, I didn't have to take the narcotic painkillers after being discharged from the hospital. I never filled that prescription. Like I felt okay. Um, I was like very quickly back to like taking walks around the neighborhood. And then, um, the scar felt like a little bit funny, but it healed really well. Like I didn't have any infection or like any issues with that kind of, that kind of stuff. So I was really lucky there. Like we just, we had a pretty good recovery period. Was VBAC always something that was on your mind after that birth or how, how did that kind of come into play? Um, yeah. So I thought about VBAC briefly. It was just one of the things on the list from the childbirth class that we took of like, if you end up in a C-section, try to make sure you maximize your chances that you'll be able to have a VBAC. So one of the things was like, make sure they do a double stitch or something. Um, and so I asked about that. That was like one of the things when, um, the first time I had talked with the doctor about the C-section and um, he had said, well, there's like limited evidence to say that that actually makes any difference, but sure. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that. And uh, I was like, okay, great. Um, I don't know that that's what I want to do, but um, we'll see. So yeah. Then um, talking with the doula, like after um, my son was born, 
she, one of the things she said, she was like, yeah, I know you're really disappointed about this and everything, but I've worked with VBAC patients and a VBAC can be like this really healing experience. And, um, you know, it sounds like you'd probably be like a good candidate for that eventually. And I was kind of, I mean, it was just so far, like from my mind at that point, I didn't. And some people I know, like I've listened to, you know, birth podcasts when like people are in the like recovery room and that's like, uh, they're already there in their mind, like planning for that next birth and how they're going to have a VBAC. And for me, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it yet. How, how long after this birth did you get pregnant again? Um, so my son was three. No, he was three when we were born, when she was born. So he was, he was two and a half. Yeah. And he, I had been breastfeeding for like a long I, I breastfed him until he was like almost two and a half. And so it was only like a couple months after we completely finished breastfeeding that I was pregnant again. I was really happy about it, but I also like would have been okay to wait a little bit longer. And my husband had really been wanting to have a second one, like ASAP. Like our son was like eight months when my husband was like, yeah, so when are we going to have another one? She was definitely planned. But my response was not when I found out I was pregnant was not like what you would think. I mean, it was almost like I was kind of ambivalent and like a little bit like, oh, man, like and then I had all these um, like not not about her at all or about like not wanting her. But there was um, worries. And I hadn't thought about this before having one kid. But then once I had my son and he was like the center of my whole world, then it was like how am I ever going to show him enough attention if I have somebody else or like, you know, I'll never love another baby as much as I love my son. Um, so that was like a weird, it's just a weird thing that um, like when I was crying, when I found out I was pregnant a second time, it was like, I was so worried for him. And it's like, now looking back at that, I'm like, that was so silly because he adores her. Like he, and, and I have more than enough love for the both of them. And it's just, it's just different having to, and your heart does grow like to have enough room for, <laughs> for all of them. But, um, that was, that was a fear for me. The VBAC situation, like didn't really worry me. Cause I had had like a pretty good C-section. So I was like, that's fine. Like if I have to have another C-section, it's just what I have to do. Like, you know, it, it went so well before, maybe that's just for the best. Um, and I, I think other people could probably identify with this of just like, it's so like disappointing. And like before I had had, um, I was so prepared to have this natural birth and I felt like I was going to be really good at it. And like, my husband had like all these tools of like how to support me and like labor and everything. And like, we didn't get to use any of it. We didn't get to do any of it. So it just felt like we were kind of like robbed and it was just, um, it kind of felt like maybe it would feel better not to even get excited about it and rather than to like get excited about it and have the possibility of being like let down again. Yeah. So I think that's where I was for like a while. I was just like waiting for something to go wrong and I didn't want to get excited about having a vaginal delivery. Um, but then like, as things kind of went and we kind of got past that. Um, so then I was back at the hospital base, like satellite, clinic with the midwife that I had been with before. He was great. Um, and then, yeah. So just like making sure everything looked good before I was even like going to think about VBAC at all. Um, so 20 week scan went great, except my husband wasn't able to be there. Cause then it was like in COVID, which was really weird. It's, that's a weird thing to be like in an appointment like that by yourself with a stranger and not be able to hold your partner's hand. 
Yeah. So then like everything was looking good after that. And so then I did start to talk with the providers about like what my options for delivery would be. And it was a large practice. So I decided to go ahead and just like cycle through as many providers as I could. Um, there were like 12 different providers. It was a mix of um, maybe like eight or nine OBs and then like three, maybe there were like three or four um, nurse midwives in the practice. Um, so I was not going to be able to meet all of them before my due date, but I wanted to meet as many of them as I could. And um, I was just getting like so many, there were so many ups and downs from one appointment to the next. So like with my midwife, she was so supportive. She was like, you're an excellent candidate. Like, there's no reason you couldn't do this. Like, this is going to go great. We'll do this at the hospital just to make sure because there is this thing called uterine rupture. And we just want to make sure that like we have the OR close by and whatever. Um, but like, you, you know, you're going to do great. And then like the appointment after that, I'm meeting with one of the OBs and they're just kind of like, well, you know, we could do a trial of labor, but like, you know, a lot of women in your position would just go ahead and schedule a C-section. What we could do is we could schedule the C-section for like 40 weeks. And if you happen to go into labor before that, then you could do a TOLAC and we could see how it goes. And I just wasn't getting like all the confidence <laughs> that I wanted to in that. Um, so it was just very provider dependent. And so I was really sure that if when I was in labor, I went in there and I got my midwife or one of the other midwives, that things were going to be okay. And I was going to be supported and I was going to feel good about it and feel confident that I was going to be successful with VBAC. But then there were other providers that I was feeling like that wouldn't be the case. And I would go in and feel like I was fighting again. Like I was like in the C-section thing of like, don't tie my hands down. Don't put those things on my legs without telling me what they are. And like, I don't want to be in a gown right now. And, you know, um, or I want to be able to walk around. I want to get in the shower. Like, you can't tell me what to do. And I realized more and more that that was really important that I not be there in birth. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts too, um, at that point and like, um, hypnobirthing and, um, just like natural birth kind of, um, things. I was listening to like birth stories on the VBAC link and I was understanding like how so much of it and like being able to have labor progress, which is really important when you want a successful VBAC was about like kind of how you're feeling in that space. And I knew that it would, um, possibly like stall my labor if I was feeling like I wasn't being supported. So a lot of people would just go to a doula in that situation because your doula is like your person that's there to support you and put the good thoughts in your head and kind of keep the bad things away. And then also to advocate for you. So not making decisions for you, but kind of like letting, you know, being the liaison there. And then it's COVID and you can't have a doula on site with you in the moment in the hospital. Um, so more is more, more and more as I was like looking at that and we we're getting closer to the due date, I was like, I just, I don't know if the hospital is going to be like the right place for me. And it was feeling like there weren't any options. So then I looked at what other options are there. So there's another hospital, um, in Baltimore that is known for being more supportive of natural birth. And, um, they have a practice that delivers at the hospital. That's all midwives. So no OBs. And then they also have, which they didn't have at the hospital I was set up to deliver at, they have um, like birthing pools, which I thought was great. I really wanted that. Um, so I called over to them. And I think at that point I was 30 weeks pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, like, can I switch over to you? I'm 30 weeks pregnant. Can I like, you know, and no, 
we don't take anyone after like 28 weeks to transfer. Okay, so back to, you know, looking on Google again for like other places I can deliver and everything else in the area, it was just other hospitals. I didn't want to switch that late to another hospital with a whole new team of providers that were probably going to be kind of similar to the practice I was already with. And at least I had the advantage of the practice I was already with that I knew some of them and that my, uh, my own midwife was there and there was a chance I would get her. And so, um, thinking that was the only option. And then comes this option for home birth. I definitely didn't think that home birth was an option for me having had a cesarean. When I was like thinking about planning a VBAC, um, that was something I was like, oh, even if I wanted to go back to the birth center now, like that, because I knew that was from that birth center. They, they said they didn't do VBACs there. Um, and then they had since closed by the time of my second pregnancy anyways. So that was not on the table. Um, and then home birth, I was like, well, that's even you know going to be more restrictive on who they take than a birth center would. So nobody in home birth would take me. But then I just went ahead and called anyway. So um, Charm City Midwives, let's go ahead and give them a shout out because they're the best. So I looked, it's a practice they have. Um, it was a nurse midwife who had been in practice at one of the local hospitals delivering babies for a long time. And then she went off on her own and did an, a solo practice for home birth. And then she was successful and had a lot of business. And then she hired, um, I guess it's, are they practitioner midwives that, that aren't? A certified animals? professional midwife. Oh yeah. So they were great. So I called her and she answered the phone at her practice, the, you know, um, the midwife who owns the practice. And she was like, um, yeah, so tell me, tell me about yourself. Like, you know, how pregnant are you? And I was like, oh, I'm like, uh, 29 and a half weeks or something. I was like, totally 30 weeks. Um, and she's like, okay. And like, how many pregnancies have you had? And I was like, I had one prior. And she's like, oh, and how did that delivery go? And I was like, well, it was a cesarean. So, and she's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, let's just talk on Zoom tonight. So we set up a Zoom chat and it was after my son went to bed. My husband and I sat on the couch and we did a Zoom call with um, her and one of the um, CPM midwives. And um, it was, we were like, let's just, let's just see if this would like even be a thing, if we can even entertain this idea. And that was like this huge turning point, that conversation, like they were just overwhelmingly like, supportive and um they were kind of like yeah well why wouldn't you be able to do a home birth of course you can like you you know you're like the perfect candidate for VBAC like everything's going to be fine and um it's just a matter of if you want to and then I was like yeah I think I think I might want to and so then my husband and I are looking at each other and we're like asking about like the insurance issues and money and stuff and then uh the questions of safety comes up um, there had been a lot of talk about uterine rupture in my appointments at the other practice. And so I was like, well, you know, this thing, I'm sure you get this question, but like, what do you guys do? And what's that about? And I was really, and my husband also was like, just really impressed with um, the way that they answered those questions. And they referred us to kind of the statistics on it and then also kind of their medical training with it and kind of how all that played in. And ultimately though, you know, it, she was saying the safety part of it, you know, there, there is like a slightly higher risk of, um, you know, when something catastrophic goes wrong, like you don't have an OR rate right there. Um, it's a very, very slim chance. Um, and then we're also talking about like the financial part. She's like, yeah, like, honestly, this will probably cost you more 
than a hospital birth. And there's also, you know, you have to pay up front for it. So there's a chance that you would be paying twice if you had to transfer to a hospital. And we do transfer to a hospital more for VBAC moms and first time moms than we do if you've had a prior vaginal birth. Um, so they were like really honest with me kind of about things, but she said, you know, what it comes down to is like where you're comfortable. And she was like, you know, it, if it's not, if you're more comfortable in a hospital and a hospital is like where you feel safe giving birth and having your babies, then you should be at a hospital. But if that's not you, then you should be thinking about home birth and you'd be great for home birth. And so I got off that call and I was like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me. Like I hated the hospital. <laughs> I'm not a hospital person. So that became like plan A was the home birth. We didn't tell anybody. How, how did your husband feel prior to that conversation you had with the midwives and then after? Was he on board the whole time or did he need some convincing? I think we were on the same page with it. I think we both needed some convincing before the conversation with the midwives. But then after the conversation with the midwives, we were both like, oh, my gosh, this is cool. We should really do this. Like, this is this is a really good option for us. Like, um, so then we're just like trying to shoot holes in it of like, okay, what would be the reasons we shouldn't do this or couldn't do this? Um, and the, we took like the next week, just kind of like thinking it over, talking about it. I called my sister. I actually went back to my um, other midwife, my hospital-based midwife, and talked to her. And that was a roller coaster of emotions because at first I was messaging back and forth with her, and the her first reaction was like, "No, like I did home births um, for years in my training, and I never saw a VBAC. VBAC is not okay for home birth. It's not safe. And um, if anyone has agreed to do a home birth for you, then they're not doing it." Like they're not allowed to be licensed to do that or something. So it'd be like under the table and unsafe, basically. And I was like, oh, like they, they really like they were so convincing. Like they have, you know, they're, they're licensed though, right? And and so then she actually came back like a day later and was like, actually, I apologize. I looked into it. I didn't realize that she was a um, a CNM. Like she's great and she can do it and you'd be fine. Um, and then I actually followed up with her with a phone call with me, my husband and the hospital midwife of just like talking through. And I was like, OK, so you don't think I'm crazy and you think it's OK. And if it doesn't work out, I can still come back to you and have a hospital birth if I need to. And she was like, yes, absolutely. Like she checked in with the head OB. They wanted to have like another conversation with me. I was like, no, I don't want to talk to the OB. Like, <laughs> So then I called them back and I was like, yes, yes, we definitely want a home birth. We want a home birth with you guys sign us up. And they said, Oh, actually we're, we looked again at our books for like your due date. And now we're like full. So we can't take you. It was horrible. So then I was like, all right, like, I'm not gonna, you know, it's, it's not completely ruined yet. Like let's, let's just find somebody else who can deliver at home. And then it was just like, I, I emailed all these different places and like, nobody had room for us. Cause then at that point I'm like 31 weeks or something. It's like everybody was full. It's like pandemic times all the midwife practices, like everybody wants a home birth. Everybody was super busy and everybody's really nice, but they're just like, no, you're, you're too far. Like we live in the city and um, you know, it, it was, there was nothing. So then I went back and she, the midwife had said, she was like, let me know if you can't find any other home birth practices that will take you and we'll see about if we can get you in. And she actually called me back after I was like, I've called all these other people. And she was like, okay, we're good. Like one mom delivered early or something, or like somebody found out that they're later, their due dates later than they thought it was going to be. Somehow they worked me in. And I was like, thank you so much. Like, this is 
Um, cause then we were like so excited about it. Um, so then it was quick, like everything went really quick because then, you know, we were like 32 weeks or something. And like, I was still working full time and like trying to exercise and stay healthy and just like be in the right mindset, listening to hypnobirthing, but not really actually like practicing as I should have. <laughs> was trying there to any just... other VBAC specific prep that you did or like anything to help work through any lingering emotions or anything left over from the C-section? A little bit. So I listened to the VBAC link podcast and just heard a lot more success because there's one thing like looking at the statistics and it's a little bit different, like actually hearing from people. Um, so I didn't know anyone personally who I think that I can remember that had a VBAC that could like talk to me about it. Um, so hearing other people talk about it and home birth, even like, you know, my sister, all of her births had been vaginal, but she was a good, good source of home birth information. But, um, it's why I think it's so great. Like what you're doing with getting people connected with just like home birth after cesarean stories, because they're just, it's kind of a niche area and it, it's stigmatized. Like not a lot of people know it's an option. Not a lot of people are like, think it's a good idea if you did want to talk to them about it. So it was nice to be able to like browse on podcasts and like find those stories of like, okay, other people have done this and they weren't crazy and they were successful and it was safe and it was great. And this is something reasonable that I can do. And then a lot of it was just kind of like preparing myself for that. And then also I was definitely always preparing myself for like the disappointment of if it didn't work out because sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. Like you can't be in control of everything. So I had kind of like broken it down into like my short-term goals for things. Um, so I wanted to go into labor naturally because I didn't feel like I had that with my son. Like I wanted my daughter to pick her due date. I, I'm pretty sure my son was like pretty fully baked, but <laughs> um, I wanted her to be like, you know, wanting to be born on her own. I wanted my body to know that it was time for her to be born. And I wanted like all some kind of indication of that. So I wanted to go into labor um, and if I could do that, then something would have been better and I would have been happy. And then beyond that, I wanted to like actually be in labor. I wanted to feel contractions. I wanted to like do the work of it. And if I didn't get beyond that, then like, Hey, that was great. Cause that was, that was further than I ever had gotten before. Um, and then like that last thing being like actually having a vaginal birth is like the, the real like finish line <laughs> I think it gave me like something to hold on to of like not being as worried of like that disappointment thing either. I think the most disappointing thing and like my fear was like, I wasn't going to make it to like going into labor again, but there was like, there was, there wasn't much that was going to get in my way for that. And it, as I approached like my due date, it was really looking like everything was really good. And I, and I think I've heard this before from other moms who had a breech pregnancy, like you just, that like haunts you and you're just like so worried about like baby's positioning all the time and like feeling them like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> like, and I knew, I mean, I could feel her. I knew where her legs were. I would like play with like her feet and her toes like up there and stuff. And still I was like, you know, at my midwife appointments kind of just like, are you sure? Do we need to do an ultrasound just to make sure? And I was anxious at the end, like really badly. Um, and for me, like I'm a psychologist, so I kind of know like different, you know, emotional coping strategies. And for me, when at the 
day when I got like the most anxious, it was, she didn't feel like she was like as active as she had been. And this was actually like two days before I delivered. So she probably was just like getting into position or something, but I worried about like, you know, something being wrong with her or something and she's not moving. And, um, I ended up just like completely, like just kind of allowing myself to be sad about it. And I just let loose and had a huge cry, just cried, 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 and like sobbed and just like, let it all go. And then I felt like completely normal after that. Sometimes that is the best thing that you can do is just let all of those emotions run through your body and just get it all out. Let it all go. Yep. Um, yeah. So I cried a ton and it was very cathartic. It felt great. And then I was like, I was good again. I was like back in the good headspace. Um, I had a couple talks with my doula before, like on zoom. Um, we had actually never met until like the day that my daughter was born when she came over, but she was helpful too. And she, we kind of talked through some of like the fears of the C-section and everything. And I was scared, like, well, what if I get stuck in labor? What if I don't progress and we just have to transfer and get a C-section? And she was like, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> yeah, like that's a thing, but can you do anything about that? And I was like, no, I guess not. Like, <laughs> I'm doing everything that I can to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, um, and I did do some of like the spinning baby stuff and um, I was super active. I ate really healthy. I ate all the dates, like, you know, so I did, I felt like I had done what I could do. And then there was like a lot of just like, all right, now I'm just like letting, letting go. So then I tried not to get too excited when I was started feeling contractions for the first time that were not like these imaginary, you know, these like only on the monitor contractions that I had with my son. These were like, felt kind of like period cramps. And it was like a week of my due date. I think I was, he was due on like a Friday and it was like Wednesday appointment with the midwives. And, um, everything looked good. And I like, didn't even want to really tell her that I was feeling contractions. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm sure that's not really what that is. But, and she was like, Oh yeah, like, that's probably what that is. That's, that's a really good sign. Like your body's getting ready. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I was like, so excited. Like I'm feeling a real contraction. This is awesome. And then went to bed that night, I guess, like, I guess it was like almost a couple days that I was feeling like really light contractions, like really irregular kind of here and there. Um, and they'd been getting a little bit stronger that night. I guess it was like that Wednesday night. Um, and then I woke up at like two in the morning with like one, like really big contraction. And I was like, Whoa, what, what was that? I think I might be going into labor or something. And so I got up, went to the bathroom, bloody show. I was so excited. <laughs> like, yes, step one. <laughs> my body knows my body can go into labor like it doesn't it's not broken it doesn't just like hold a baby until you know cows come home so it knew that like baby was ready um so that was just like really really exciting and I like texted the um doula to ask her what to do and she was like why are you like texting me like just go back to sleep or something she was like, do you think something's wrong? Like, was it? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm excited. Like it, it was what was supposed to happen. She's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, you'll be fine. Just try to get some rest. Um, I could not get any rest. It wasn't for excitement. It was just like the contractions were pretty strong at that point. So I actually came in here, which is my office room and kind of labored by myself for a while, like tried to go to sleep, but like kind of sat on my like 
yoga ball thing for a little while and then like slept a little bit here and there. And there was a time, then I started um, timing contractions on the app and there was a time when they were getting like pretty regular and like pretty close together. And I was like, what if I have like a really short labor and like nobody's awake by the, <laughs> and they can't get here. Um, I was like, okay, well, if they're still like getting stronger and more regular by like five in the morning, I'll like call the team and tell them I need them. But like, I think this happens a lot of times that like once the sun starts coming up, then things kind of slow down and like get a little bit easier. Um, so I was glad that I didn't like wake everybody up out of a dead sleep. And then, so I got some rest and then, um, husband woke up and then I kind of communicated with the midwives and they were like, yeah, that sounds great. Like it might be, you know, today that your baby's born, just try to get some rest and hydrate and let us know how it goes. So yeah, so then I just like spent the day relaxing, which was great because I was worried that I was going to have to like go out and do all these things like the mile circuit and, and uh, like all these things are, you know, to make sure that like labor keeps progressing and everything. So it was really nice that they gave me the permission to just rest because I really hadn't gotten great sleep. So I did a lot of like literally laying in bed and drinking Gatorade. <laughs> Um, which felt good to me at the time. Like that was kind of what I wanted to do. My son was here and uh, his friend was actually over, which was completely abnormal because in the pandemic, we don't have anybody over. And then um, our friends had had, it was a Friday and both of them like ended up needing to work and their daycare was closed or something. And they were like, can you, these are our best friends. And they're like, can you please like take our son? Can we drop him off? And I was like, yeah, I'm like kind of in labor, but it's early. So sure. Like we'll take him and then like, we'll send our son with you for the like afternoon, evening for a sleepover. And they're like, awesome. Thank you so much. And then I was also like, well, maybe it'll be like this nice kind of distraction, like early labor, like having the kids around and everything, like give me something to do. Um, I did not like that. <laughs> I think some people do, but uh, I like vividly remember like my son's friends, like driving a monster truck, remote control monster truck into my foot repeatedly, like while I was having a contraction. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta, you gotta go. <laughs> Both of you, both of you three-year-old boys in your trucks, like, need to get out of here. <laughs> Mama needs to rest. Mama's, like, trying to get in her zone and everything. Um, so, yeah, so then my husband, like, texted him. And he's like, actually, like, if you could just pick them up, like, by noon or so, that'd be great. Um, and then, yeah, so I, like, basically stayed in bed, I think, till, like, three in the afternoon, which is, like, insane because I never do that and like I work a lot and I like get up early and I don't stay like even on the weekends we have a three-year-old like we wake up at 6 30 in the morning so it was kind of like luxurious like this time when like when the, the kids did finally leave like my husband and I together in like an empty house with like nothing on the agenda to do it was like date day or something <laughs> it was really really nice so we like listened to music and we like just like hung out in bed. Um, he went to the grocery store and just like got a few things. I like did a little bit of laundry, like some finishing touches on some things that I, I don't know what I did, but um, I ate and drank and slept. And then um, in the afternoon, once the sun started to go down again, that's when things like picked up and started to get really intense. And so we basically waited until 
we didn't feel like between the two of us that we could kind of handle it as far as like the intensity of everything. Um, and then he called the doula and she came over and that ended up being, she, I was like, just tell her to come around six, I think. So she, by the time she walked in the door and I don't know, maybe it was something about like the, you might know this as a doula too, like might've been something about the way that she was positioned or something and like what I needed to do, but I could not stand up during a contraction. Like people, my sister talked about like, like being in like a dancing position with her husband during contractions. I needed to be like laying down or on all fours, every contraction, like once it got bad. It definitely could have been. I mean, your body will tell you like whether or not something is good or comfortable for you to be doing if you're able to listen to it that way. Yeah. So who knows why, but it was, it was funny. Cause then she came over and like I said, I'd never actually met her in real life in person before. Um, and I'd been like holding it together. So well. I was like talking and everything. And then she walked in the door and I just like started bawling crying. I was like, I'm just so glad you're here. And then a contraction hits me and I like hit the ground. Like, um, and she like, didn't skip a beat. She was amazing. She like came up behind me. She's like rubbing my back. Like then immediately after like that contraction, I was like, I have to run up. I have to use the bathroom. I think I have to poop. And I like ran up the stairs and like snuck away. And I'm like pushing like at that moment. And then I came out of the bathroom upstairs. She's still downstairs talking with my husband. And I got hit with another contraction, like hit the floor in my son's room that has like carpet. And I was like gripping the carpet and I'm like pushing and like having like a really significant contraction. I'm like, hopefully I don't have the baby like before the midwife shows up in my son's room on the carpet that's like not prepped at all. I didn't have the baby there. Everything was okay. (laughs) Um, So she came upstairs and she kind of helped me through that. And then we went downstairs and she's like, oh, so like you could get in the shower. And I was like, I'm not stand. I can't stand during a contraction. I'm not getting in the shower. I had been in the bath in the morning and it was like, and not, not really like my favorite thing. I was like, I really want the birth pool. And she's like, okay, let's go get in the birth pool. And I was like, yeah, but like, do you know how to fill it up? We have to fill it up first. (laughs) This is in the basement. She's like, Oh, you haven't filled it up yet. Like absolutely fill it up. Like now she's like, okay. So she and my husband like figured out how to set all that up. And then we went down to the basement and um, we live in Baltimore. So I don't know if you've been in seen like the, it's a row home style house. So it's like all connected to other houses. They're like pretty narrow, but like deeper. So we have like top floor we've got like our living floor and then we have a basement underneath that our basement is like partially finished but it's like it's our playroom space it's not like a super nice place but that night it was like a five-star resort it was like it was so cool (laughs) it had like the really warm birth pool it was like lamp lighting we had like pictures of like island locations the doula like set up this like rope lighting around that like made it look like this like cool, like outdoor pool patio kind of setting. There was like fake plants and stuff everywhere. Um, It was the best. I loved it. That is super cool. Was there any significance? Cause you said you had, was it Hawaiian music? Yeah. Yeah. Is there any significance with all of that? Yeah. So I was born in Hawaii. Um, yeah, I only lived there for a few years, but it was like really important to my parents. My dad was a big surfer and like always loved Hawaii and talked about it. And then, um, Mark and I went back on when I was pregnant with my son. So, um, as like our baby moon, we went to Hawaii and it was like amazing. 
on the island of Kauai. Um, and we loved it. It was great. And I don't know. So yeah, I guess like having the like Hawaiian music, the ukulele music when he was born. So, um, and I just like love the beach. Plus it was late August in Baltimore and super, super hot. So it was like nice to pretend that we're like sweating for a reason because we're like at the beach. <laughs> That's fun to tie that into both of your birth experiences. And yeah, who, yeah. who wouldn't rather give birth like on a nice warm beach rather than just like a gross muggy day outside? Yeah, exactly. So it was really nice. I think that the midwife showed up right around when I was getting in the pool. It was like eight at night or something um, at that point. And I was like, definitely like starting, like just pushing on like the end of contractions. And I didn't really know why I was like, I can't feel like it doesn't feel like a baby's head's like coming out yet. Um, and the midwife, the doula had said like, Oh, well, you should probably like stop with the pushing until like the midwife comes here. <laughs> and then when she got there, um, I was like, well, can I, is that okay to do? Like, can I kind of push a little bit if I feel like that's what I like want to do and what my body needs to do. And, um, she said, it's your body yeah, like you can do what your body says to do. Like, don't ask me, you know, which it sounds kind of sassy the way I'm saying it, but it was just like the like nicest thing, like that she was just like handing over the control to me. She was like, this is not about me and what I'm going to let you do. This is your birth. Like, I'm just here to make sure everything's safe and okay. And like to do what you need me to do. Um, and every part of it, in like the whole like labor and the delivery of my daughter was like that with the midwives and they were amazing. Like every single thing that they did, they asked permission first and they asked me like how I felt about it, how I was doing it. Like every step of the way they made sure that it was like exactly what I wanted. And there's like nothing that compares to that. Right. It was just amazing. So I labored in the pool for a little while. I actually, they kind of said I was having like too much fun in the pool. Like I was <laughs> I was loving it. I was like, this is just the best. Like, I and they were like, your husband can get in if you want. I was like, no, this is my pool. This is, <laughs> this is like, this is just for me. And, um, the contraction slowed down, I think, cause I was just like, so comfortable. It just felt so good. Um, my husband was amazing. He kept getting like these ice packs that I wanted, like these square ice packs that had a hole in the middle, like pressing my head on them the whole time like that felt really good for me for some reason and so he was like going up and down the stairs repeatedly like changing out these ice packs to make sure they were cold and giving me like cold drinks of water and everything um but I felt really good all along um I got a little bit nauseous at some point and then I was like pushing in the pool nothing was like really happening and then I got out to see if it intensified a little bit more kind of did and then they offered to check me and I was like really conflicted about that because I was also just like foggy in my head. And I was like, I don't know, is that a good thing? I remember I didn't want that for some reason, but because what if, what if I'm not that far along as I think I am or something? And so I like took a good like 30 minutes, like deciding whether I wanted to let them check me. And they were like so fine with that. They like gave me all the time I needed. They're like, oh, whatever. Um, and then she checked me and she was like, oh yeah, you're 10 centimeters plus one station. Like everything is good. Like you know, just figure out like how you're going to push the baby out. So I tried like a lot of different positions. And so that was kind of like, I was just getting close, so close to the finish line. I could see it, but I also know that sometimes people do get stuck there, you know, getting to 10 centimeters and being in that pushing stage does not mean that you're having a vaginal delivery. And I knew that but I was just like so happy and it just felt like so fortunate and lucky to be at the point that I was that I was like, I'm just going to try my best for this part. And like, I'm just 
happy to have gotten this far, but like, I know that I still have work to do. And um, so I think when it finally came to down to actually pushing her out, I ended up being in like a completely different position than what I thought. I was like laying on the futon in the basement with like my legs up, like almost like hospital stirrup style. And I definitely like pushed harder than I probably should have or would have if I had just been thinking of like the hypnobirthing, like breathe the baby out kind of thing. But I think I was also just like so scared that it wouldn't happen that I was like, I'm just going to go gangbusters and just like push the baby out. Like, so I was like, you know, the contraction was finished and I'm like still pushing and, um, and just like really going for it. And so I did tear, but it was it was fine. Like I've, I had a great experience. I didn't know at the time because they were so um, calm and relaxed about the way that they responded, but I had a hemorrhage. Um, I knew that there was blood and she was like, Oh, is it okay if I give you a shot of Pitocin? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Like, go ahead. And um, gave baby right to me. She's like screaming. She's like bloody. There's meconium. But like they didn't, you know, meconium in the hospital. It's like this they didn't even like really say much about it. They're like, Oh, it's just like light meconium. Everything's fine. But she was great. I felt great. Um, I just felt like on top of the world, it was like completely, I've never run a marathon, but it was like, just like I've done something really, really cool and something that not everybody gets a chance to do and not everybody can do. And I just felt incredibly strong and empowered and triumphant. And it was great. It was like, all my dreams came true. Everything actually happened. I was in complete disbelief. I was just looking at my husband and I was like, we did it. Like this happened. She came out of my vagina. Mm -hmm. I gave birth to her in my basement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I still do that. Like today we're, you know, out on a walk and I'm still like, you are like, she's just such a, like a miracle. And that that was able to happen. I wish more people got the chance to do it. I think People don't know that home birth is an option. A lot of people don't even know that BBAC is an option once they've had their first C-section. And then being able to have a home birth and having providers that were nearby. And we we were also like really close to a hospital. So I had that to lean on. Um, Being able to pay for a private home birth provider not knowing if, you know, we were going to be able to get reimbursed by insurance and everything. So I think it's definitely like a privileged position to be in, but I think all of the insurances should be reimbursing for it and paying for it. And um, everybody should have access to it and everybody should know that it's safe and that they can do it. And because it's just such a cool thing to give birth to your baby at home. And then to get to walk by that place where you gave birth to your baby. Like I'm sure every time you go into your basement now, it's like, oh, yeah, this is where my baby was born. Yeah, we play there all the time. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. So then how how did that postpartum period go? And then how did it compare to the, the postpartum period with your first? So it's, it was really nice being at home and having like all of our stuff there already, like all of our, you know, food and everything. Like I, I walked up the stairs that night and like slept in our bed and, um, we didn't have, we had family come, but we didn't have family come and stay in the house for as long. We knew that that was going to be kind of the better option for us. Um, it was different having a toddler around while like having an, a newborn. Um, 
Our son came back the next day and got to meet her, which wouldn't have been the case in the hospital because COVID times you couldn't have um, a kid coming to visit. And he was just like immediately obsessed with her. He was like, the thing he said when he saw her, he said, oh, that baby sneaked out of your belly. Cute. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, really cute. Um, Yeah, the recovery from it, like, um, I was actually surprised a little bit that um, physically, like, recovering from, like, the tear and the stitches, I think it was like a, what is it, like a stage, stage two kind of a tear, and so it was, like, pretty significant. It was pretty uncomfortable and just, like, felt like it took a while to get back to, like, feeling normal-ish, but all in all, I think, you know, it was still a little bit quicker of feeling back to normal than the C-section. And it was good. No like major complications and we were all really happy. The pandemic's a little bit weird, but that's not really related to the birth. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's thrown a wrench in things for a lot of people, unfortunately. I mean, even how you touched on earlier, like your husband not being able to go to appointments or be there for the ultrasounds or different things like that. That's hard to not be able to have all of the support that you want or need in not only prenatal care or postpartum, but then during the actual birth too, that, Mm -hmm. that has definitely changed things for people who are giving birth in hospital. Yeah. And the midwives did the, um, follow-up visits in home. There were two of them. They came like the next day and they came like a week out. Um, that was amazing. That was so helpful of not having to go anywhere. Um, one thing that surprised me was the pediatrician's office. I hadn't even thought to talk. I mean, it's not up to them of where I birthed my baby. It's not something that they should even care about, but the pediatrician's office, we actually ended up transferring after we had my daughter and like brought her in for her first and second, because they were so reactive, um, to hearing that she had been born at home and just, they were really ignorant about home birth you know, they needed to see her right away because in cases like this, the newborn really needs to be evaluated because there's a lot of things that could, and I was like, oh, really? Like, you know, like what? Like, tell me about them. Well, she's going to need her metabolic screening. Well, she had her first metabolic screening, like the midwives did that. Well, she hasn't had a vitamin K. She had a vitamin K shot. Like we're good on that. A newborn, she had a newborn exam. And then the thing that they came down to, well, her hearing test, she didn't get her hearing test. I was like, "Mm, pretty sure that's not like urgent. (laughs) I think she can wait a couple weeks for her hearing test. So I think for other moms too, to like consider that of like their pediatrician's office and it, and it might not be a deal breaker for everybody. There was, there was some other things too, that we had been kind of like looking at leaving that practice anyways, but um, we're much happier in the, in the place where we are now. And they were like very supportive of her having been born at home, which I mean, what is there to even support? Like the baby's already here and she's healthy and things went great. So if you wouldn't have like said anything, they wouldn't have known the difference no. anyway, where your baby had been born. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. No. Anything else that you can think of that you want to add? I don't think so. It's My a long story. Own. It is, but it's great. I, I love to hear all the different stories. The only other question that I have is just, and you kind of touched on this already with some of the things that you've said, but for any moms who are either just exploring their options or looking into possibly having a home birth or having an HBAC or anything like that. Is there anything that you would want them to know or that you would want to tell them? I think listening to stories from other people who know what they're talking about is really helpful. And then not listening to people who don't know what they're talking about. It doesn't mean, you know, not looking not hearing anything that's going to be um, like talking about the risks associated. I wanted to know all the risks and, you know, 
I cared, like I, I wanted all the statistics and the science and everything. And I think that that's important to have, but you don't want to hear people, um, you know, giving, like trying to scare you who, who really don't know about it. Um, if people who know what they're talking about are scaring you, that's one thing, but um, people will just kind of talk from, you know, just a place of just ignorance and, and not knowing about it. So um, I think it worked out well for us not to tell anybody until after she was already here. And then um, a lot of people who I think if we had told them in the pregnancy would have really been naysayers about it. I think um, it, telling them afterwards, they were really encouraged by it and um, interested. And in now they have a positive HVAC story to kind of go back on. So the next time somebody tells them that they might be planning something like that, they could be more supportive knowing that I did it successfully. So I think there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like I think people can tell the whole world that, hey, we're planning an HVAC, but you also don't have to. You can keep it to yourself and and that's okay too. We were just kind of vague about our, our birth plans until it actually happened. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your birth stories with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for doing this. I feel like this is like just such a nice resource to have. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.